Baseball fans, we interrupt whatever it is you're doing with a special edition of the Prep Baseball Report of North Carolina podcast. I'm Brandon Hall. He's Matt Payne, your director of uh, scouting here in North Carolina for PBR. Matt, too much excitement, too many things going on for us to wait till Thursday. Too much thing, too many things are going to break between now and Thursday if we wait. So we had to get on today. What's going on, buddy? Regional finals week. Uh, I guess a couple series could be over before we get back on. So that's right. <laughs> no we'll choice. No choice. Well, let's start real quick recapping uh, some state champions. We named four state champions over the weekend um, in the NCISAA. Um, a couple of surprises just based on kind of what had happened throughout the year, but maybe when you look at it in totality, you go, you know, it makes sense. Um, our first one at the 4A level, uh, Wesleyan Christian Academy. Um, I don't think um, they're – Co-ace, uh, Co- Jacob Cozart, not Jacob Cozart, uh, Sam Cozart, um, through. But um, Hudson Lance was really good throughout the tournament and uh, was able to bounce back. Providence Day had a great run in that tournament. Kind of, you know, a team that had probably shown us throughout the year that they deserved a little bit more pub than we were giving them. Um, but just it, it came to a point and ran out of gas, got shut out after winning Game one got shut out in games two and three, and Wesleyan Christian named champion. Yeah, I thought that was impressive by Wesleyan to you know lose the first one and bounce back and win two. And I don't think they allowed a run in games two and three to, to right. win the title. <clears throat> the three A champion Hickory Grove Christian, uh, one of my former former players, Nick Daddio, played for me at Charlotte uh, first year with the program. Hickory Grove Christian came in; they had some talent. Um, but it was a program or as a team that we saw earlier in the year. Um, and, and honestly, we dropped them from the power 25 after watching them. Uh, but they got better and they got better and they got better. Uh, I attended game one. They're playing at uh, High Point Christian, playing against High Point Christian. So <clears throat> as much as you're, you're thinking you may have a neutral site set up, it was not a neutral site. Um, and and it, was a, it was a very spirited game one. Um, we saw Connor Barazino throw for uh, Hickory Grove Christian in game one um, and was really good. I think pitching into the seventh, I haven't seen the full box. I had to leave a little bit before the game was over, but it was 8-1 when I left. Um, High Point Christian comes back and, and you know lays a thumping on Hickory Grove in game two. They turn right back around and play game three on Saturday, and Hickory Grove Christian, again, solid pitching performance. Bats come alive later in the game. They create some spread in the game. They walk away with that trophy. Yeah, great job by those guys. That seemed like an intense series right there, and you know, back and forth, maybe a little chippy. And uh, anytime you uh, you lose game, the the front end of a doubleheader in a series like that, and come back and and win game three, you got some tough kids on your roster to do that. No doubt, no doubt. And for <clears throat> that was a that was a series too where you were. I think it was two years ago. They played maybe for the state title. Hickory Grove Christian won at Hickory Grove Christian. There was some tension there. There was some, um, I, I don't want to call it altercations because they really weren't that big a deal. But, you know, the police had gotten involved in terms of being at the stadium and being visible, just standing in certain areas to make sure people knew they were there. Um, then High, you know, High Point Christian comes back and wins the state championship last year. Uh, and then they get Hickory Grove this year at home. So I think, you know, some of that tension still still there. And, you know, kids played with emotion. Um, you know, we see it. We see bat flips. And we see staring into a dugout and this and that. And, 
you know, I, I think sometimes we forget, we, we talk about, hey, act like you've been there before. A lot of these kids maybe have not been there before. Even though they've played in these types of situations, their role this year may be different. Their, their standing on the team may be different. Um, you know, and, and trying to allow kids to grow and learn. Um, but I thought the players themselves in game one handled the tension very well, uh, much better than maybe the parents handled it in the stands. Um, but for the most part, that got sorted out and the game continued on and they were able to play, you know, a, a, a series where the emotions on the field were kept on the field. It was a competitive environment. But at the end of the day, they shake hands, they move off in their own separate directions and um, wish each other luck. So, you know, congratulations to those guys at Hickory Grove Christian. Um, Matt, the 2A, we saw the Burlington School and Westchester Country Day, two of the premier arms in the state with Tucker Holland and uh, Josh Hammond. Um, they didn't. I do not think they matched up um, in this series. And, again, I'm, I'm, I'm going on limited sleep and trying to remember all the boxes we've been through. Um, but, again, a three-game series, and Burlington School takes it. Um, you know, thoughts a little bit on that matchup and, and kind of how that season has played out for the Burlington School. You wish those two guys could have matched up in, in the same game, but uh, I know Westchester used, I think, Hammond in the, to get there in that game. He, he had an impressive outing. And, uh, you know, the Burlington School, I think, a little up and down early in the year and really put it together late and uh, just solid over, overall performance up and down the lineup and, and some good pitching as well. You know, it's one of the things I think we overlook a little bit when we're putting together a lot of our list and, um, you know, the Power 25 and things like that. And, you know, there are times where coaches have a plan that takes that team, you know, into May. And we're looking at it as a February and March team going, man, I just I don't see it. But the lineups they're playing, the pitching staff they're using – there's a bigger plan in terms of what's going to happen in May. We have to win a three-game series. I'm going to have enough arms available to go. Putting some guys in some different positions that you know may ultimately lead to a loss in April, but leads to a win in May. And I think uh, the Burlington School did that this year. Their coaching staff did a really good job, you know, putting some guys in some different positions throughout the year, so that when they got into the state tournament we have a chance now to make that run and, and you know, kind of eyeballing and keying on, we're going to play a good enough schedule. We're going to get into the tournament, five seeds good enough, and we'll make our run from there. Yeah, definitely prepared down the stretch. And the more guys you get involved early, you know, it pays off late in the year when all these games <coughs> get jam, jam together in a, in a short span. Um, at the 1A level, another five seed went three games and, and, and took it Halifax Academy. Um, you know, again, uh, with their path, they went through Curvance at Curvance, um, you know, uh, played three solid games uh, and winning two of them to get to get the state title. So congratulations to them. Again, all four of these clubs, you know, regardless of your level, regardless of who you've played, regardless of what we think of you in the power 25 and the overall, nobody's going to be able to take that ring away from you. Nobody's going to be able to take that trophy away from you. So you know, real big accomplishment for those players, those programs, those coaches, those teams, those parents. Um, and from us, congratulations. Matt, let's jump into the, the, the public schools are now through the fourth round, and we're setting up our best of three series for our regional finals. 
Um, and so now we're actually getting into the tournament format that I like. I would have loved to have seen T.C. Roberson and Myers Park in a three-game series. I would have loved to have seen Wake Forest and New Hanover in a three-game series. We didn't get that. We get a one-and-done, you know, put all your marbles on the table, one bad inning and your season's done. But <clears throat> now we're into that meat of the, the, the tournament where we get best of three. So we've got two teams in the 4A on the east and west, so four teams left at each level. Um, let's start with the 4A, Matt. Um, give me your thoughts a little bit on T.C. Roberson's run on Reagan's – I'm sorry, uh, Northwest Guilford, right? Northwest Guilford. Yep, Northwest Guilford's run and and how you see the West playing out. Uh, T.C. Roberson come in with the, the number one seed. Um, you know, we said the, the West kind of runs through those guys and – They've been there before, returned a, a lot of players from their, their run last year where they, they lost two games to Providence in the West Finals and uh, just really complete effort so far through the playoffs. And, uh, you know, they have the home field advantage up there. It's a, it's a big deal at T.C. Roberson. And, you know, they jumped out. They scored six runs in the first two innings against Myers Park and really just held them off after that. Um, team that will come out with the plan and uh, – you know they'll get game one at, at their place in the in the regional finals this week, and that's a tough place to win at. And then you go to Northwest Guilford, who knocked off Reagan in, in eight innings. Uh, Reagan tied it in the seventh, and uh, then Northwest in the bottom of the eighth got four straight hits and and walked it off. And I think that is a rematch of last year's West Finals. Or oh, no, Providence was there, but I do think they played last year in the playoffs. And uh, you know you go through all those games in fourth round and a ton of one-run games in, in each yep. classification. Yep. Yeah, I'm excited to see this this matchup. So over the course of three games, there's not a single game you point to and go, Team A hasn't advanced because of their arm. I think both of these clubs have won in spite of not having a true shutdown, lockdown number one. But what they may have is they may have five number twos. <clears throat> and so even when they're matched up with a number one, their offenses have been better than some other programs' offenses. And so they've been able to grind number ones down while mixing and matching who they pitch and who they throw and getting their best options out there. You put those two type situations together in a three-game series, you know, I think the ability for these the coaches to dissect how they want to attack lineups and then also offensively how they want to attack to score runs. Because I think both clubs <clears throat> have traditionally relied on some big hits, but I think both clubs have the ability with Bristol Carter at the top of Northwest Guilford, um, with T.C. Roberson, the ability to handle the bat and do a lot of different things on the bases. They have the ability to put pressure on people. And so when they're putting pressure on, on those, those other programs, they've seen them crack. But I think both these programs play a similar style. Will they be able to make one another crack? Um, and, and if they do in one game, can they do it in a second game? And I think that's the the intriguing part in that matchup. Yeah, I think there two two games in that series have a chance to be really high scoring. Uh, you know, with those two teams on the mound, and, you know, you could see a back and forth game that, uh, you know, and they may have to manage. Hey, do how much of my my pitching do I burn in games one or two, and maybe maybe concede and, and try to win a game three. So uh, that I look for that to be a tight series. Yeah, we we used to talk about it <clears throat> and managing. Our season, you know, people would ask, "How many arms do you have to have to get through a college season?" Well, you're gonna, you need, you need 13, but really seven are gonna throw about 80 percent of your innings. 
And so as you get into these best of three series, even though they're not playing Friday, Saturday, Sunday, the ability to bounce guys back and then be really sharp is going to be limited. <clears throat> so, you know, how do you peak your guys? You know, when do you bring your closer in? If it's if it's the fifth inning and you got a shot, do you bring him in? And if you don't get it done, what does that does that hurt you in the, the next game? You only got one day off. Now that guy's gone three innings. And so that that massaging of bullpens, um, you know, trying and, and really the massaging of the lineup, trying to get guys to understand, you know, let's we're up four, let's get to six. We're up six, let's get to ten. It's important. It's important that we end this game as quickly as possible and force them into as many different pitching matchups as they as they can run out there while we're limiting some of ours. So I think you make a great point there, and I, I do. I, I think at some point you may see a field goal come into play and special teams may come into play in that series and see who kind of kind of can uh, run that, that field goal kicker on the last minute and put the ball on the tee and, and tee it up and get through the uprights. So um, the winner of that series <clears throat> is going to get the winner of Wake Forest and Corinth Holders. Again, we, we, we talked about Wake Forest, New Hanover, just a, an epic two-to-one game at New Hanover. Both teams' chances to score late in the game. Both teams' chances to put away. Both teams had arms um, uh, with, with Cooper and with um, Bromley um, that, that pitched their tails off, made pitches to get out of innings, made big, big statements. Wake Forest gets through. <clears throat> now they get Corinth holders. What do you see in that matchup? You know, the Wake, the Wake Forest game, number one and number two in North Carolina, played out one-run ball game. Uh, sounded like a great great game. Uh, Wake Forest got a got a hit that drove into by Carlos Diaz, and I think they turned a key double play maybe when New Hanover had a chance to score there too. So it sounded, six, like, think, yeah. it sounded like a, a great place to be. And, and, you know, they get Corinth holders who uh, beat up on Garner a little bit early. Uh, they played several times this year, and, they didn't have to face Jackson Lucas from Garner in that round. And, um, you know, Corinth up and down a little bit early in the year. You know, we had them in the Power 25. They, they battled a lot of injuries. And I think, uh, you know, they're healthy now and, and kind of have an identity. And, um, you know, I think uh, they'll challenge Wake Forest to, you know, most of, you know, we've had up there all year, maybe the most talented team in North Carolina. But uh, the way Corinth is rolling right now, I think they'll make a series out of it. Yeah, so this one this one's a little different than the other one and the other four A, <clears throat> Wake Forest, you know they probably have instead of having five twos they probably have two number ones and then maybe three number twos. Um, their number ones can be scary if you're an opposing offense. I don't think you go in there thinking you're only going to get one. You, you think you have a chance maybe to grind out uh, Lovelace or Allen. Um, and put some balls in play and, <clears throat> excuse me, see if you can put some pressure on some guys. Cor- <clears throat> As I'm coughing all over the place. Corinth has a one, and Briggs McKenzie has kind of been built up throughout the year. I thought, again, we talked about that ability to massage your, your your roster throughout the year and how important are games in March, how important are games in April, now how important are games in May. I think they've been building Briggs for the tournament. And, you know, he, he was he was really good from uh, it, against uh, what he threw against. Looking Pinecrest, he threw against Pinecrest. Yeah, I'm trying to look at my bracket here, and you know, maybe one of the top offenses in the state throughout the entire year, and you know, pretty much held them in check. 
he has that ability. I mean, he 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 can go out for a game. You know, we walk away and he's punched 15, 16, 17, and and they win one, two, three, nothing or or ten nothing. So the question becomes: Can Wake Forest put some pressure on on McKenzie? And then in the next games when McKenzie's not throwing, how quickly can they put pressure on those pitchers so that Corinth doesn't get doesn't get comfortable? And if they can do that, I think Wake Forest moves through. If they allow Corinth to stay in games early and then Corinth can kind of start putting some base runners on, they like to run and they like to be aggressive. I think the catching situation at Wake Forest can neutralize that a little bit, but I don't think you're going to see Corinth play shy. They're not going to just tuck back in and wait for a hit. They're going to be applying pressure constantly. And and again, I, I don't know that the way that they do that, you see that across the state. So I don't know that Wake Forest has seen that type of pressure throughout the year. But the game has to, we have to get into the flow of the game for, for the Pirates to be able to apply that pressure. Will Wake Forest allow them that to, that luxury of being in the second, being in the third, being in a 0-0 game, <clears throat> and then to see if they can't impose their will, or is Wake Forest just going to throw the gauntlet down right out of the chute? Yeah, that'll that'll be interesting right there. Corinth likes to run. Wake Forest has the best catcher in North Carolina uh, in Luke Stevenson. How much will they challenge him? Uh, one thing I think ski in that series is it'll start at Wake Forest, and uh, I would right. think Briggs will go game one. And then uh, you get to game two where, you know, Corinth will, will be down there pitching a little bit, but they're at home. And, and that community, they, they pack it out there. They create an atmosphere. So can they ride that momentum of, of playing at home with their number two on the mound and, and threaten Wake Forest a little bit? That's a very good point. <clears throat> All right, Matt. 4A, 4A, how do you see it playing out? Roberson, Northwest Guilford, best of three. Who gets to the state championship? I got TC. I picked them in the early thing. I got to stay with them. They've uh, they performed so far, and uh, I do think that'll go three games. But uh, you know, game three will be back at TC. I'll go TC in that one. I don't. I actually don't remember who I picked. Um, <laughs> I, I, I had Myers Park at this point, so I know I didn't have Roberson. Um, I, I I've been down on Northwest Guilford at times, not from a standpoint of. We don't believe they're a good club, but I just I, I wondered how they were going to win games in a single elimination tournament. We're not in a single elimination tournament anymore. I think that offense, I think uh, Bristol Carter at the top, uh, Silas Boris at short, um, you know the, the catcher. Help me out with the name on the catcher, um, Blaze Johnson. Yes, Blaze Johnson. Uh, you know I think he's got a chance to turn the ball around and, and have a big hit at some point in this tournament. Um, so I'm I'm going to. I'm going to go with the Vikings, Northwest Guilford. Wake Forest and Corinth holders, Matt, who you got? Got to go Wake Forest. Uh, You know, I think I picked New Hanover to win that maybe. And uh, Wake Forest is just so talented. It's, you know, it's it's hard to pick against them, especially they had a, they had a tough road through their part of the bracket and uh, have held up just fine. So hard to pick against those guys right now. I'm, I'm as well. I'm going to go Wake Forest, but I'm going to do Wake Forest in three. I think Briggs comes out and wins game one um, and forces uh, a potential three-game series where the depth of Wake Forest pitching staff really comes through, the depth of their lineup comes through. Um, but that can be interesting. You know, you go down, all of a sudden you're seeing your season on the brink. You're one game away, maybe, and you're at Corinth, and you maybe you get down early, and we'll see how they battle back. But I'm I'm going to trust the Cougars in this one, pick Wake Forest to go through. 
Um, so we'll see how that plays out. Let's move to the 3A, where um, in the 3A West, Oak Grove got past North Iredell, who had been on a tremendous run, beating Ledford, Northwest Cabarrus, and the Parkwood to start their year or start the tournament. And then West Henderson slips past East Rowan. Um, talk about a little bit about these programs, Oak Grove and West Henderson, getting to this point, how they got to this point, and what you like about these clubs in this matchup. Uh, I think if there's a surprise team in this, I think it would be Oak Grove uh, coming out of the, the 3A. And um, I know you saw them, solid team. Uh, probably, you know, like I said, the most surprising team. And then the other side, you get, get East Rowan and West Henderson, who – uh, we know East Rowan's talented and, and a loaded lineup. And West Henderson had kind of been there all year. I think we had them in the Power 25 at one point, and they turned around and lost the game they probably shouldn't have. But East Rowan had, East Rowan had to travel up there. I saw you know, a picture of the crowd. It was packed out. You know, they, that community's embraced that team. And, um, you know, it was a back-and-forth game and, you know, scored on a, on a pass ball uh, late and walked it off for a win. And they'll have a chance to go play for a state championship this week. That was one of the games where I felt like home field advantage really came through. Uh, you know, East Rowan had a chance to score. I actually was driving home from the Oak Grove game and listening on the radio to the East Rowan West Henderson game. East had done a good job. They they got Truett Manuel out, you know, and they're in the game. So you feel you're in the fifth, sixth inning, and he's out of the game. We've done our job. Now can we handle their bullpen? Um, and I thought the home crowd did a really good job kind of willing – West Henderson through the first couple of outs in the bullpen and allowing them them to get settled after Manuel comes out. Um, you know, and the other part was when I, I think it was the they play. I think they played eight. If I'm not wrong, if I'm not mistaken, it's either the seventh or eighth. But you know, East had a chance to score and just you know a big pitch, punch out, don't get it across, and in the very next pitch to start the next half, bang off the top of the wall is a double. You could just feel that crowd surge through the radio. Um, and, and being at home mattered there for me. Just listening to it, you, I felt like when they hit that double, it was over because that crowd wasn't going to let them in that inning without scoring a run. So, <clears throat> again, you're, you, you've got a true number one Wes Henderson. Um, how they use him will be interesting because they haven't necessarily used him as a starter throughout the year. So they could, depending on yeah, – I don't think he's going to start game one. But <clears> – <throat> He threw on Friday. He's on three days rest. He could close game one. If they win game one, he could close game two. If they don't win game two and he doesn't close, now he can start game three. So I think their use of manual will be something that they've been preparing for all season. Uh, and it's been very interesting to watch how they've used him. And now you're getting the best of three, and they have a lot of options on how they use him. Um, Oak Grove, that North Iredell game, um, Oak Grove, Oak Grove threw a lefty, and I'm, I'm blanking on the name. I'm going to pull it here because I have it right in front of me. I think profile list messages. There it is. Ethan Yarborough. I can't believe I couldn't remember the name. Ethan Yarborough, a little, little undersized senior righty. So, you know, fastball, both sides in the zone, 80-81. Good feel for a changeup, decent pace off it, decent deception. Um, you know, top to bottom breaking ball, roll through the zone a little bit. It's not a power breaking ball. It's not a, but it's three pitches of the zone coming out of the same window that do three different things. 
And, you know, he, he did a really good job with North Iredale keeping them off balance. <clears throat> so there's, there's, you know, and he's really, I would, I would guess he's there too. And Lindholm, who we saw at our top prospect games last mm-hmm. August, I think is going to UNC Pembroke. You know, that's, that's an arm that the stuff has a chance to be shut down at times. This is a program that's been tested, <clears throat> although they haven't seen as going through the, the, the tournament, the best arm they saw was from Ford. I think Jensen maybe from Ford. Um, uh, G- it was Jenkins, Jenkins or Swing maybe. Jenkins. Yeah, Jenkins. Yeah. Um, again, I apologize. We've got a ton of names going through our, our system right now. So, you know, are, how do they handle manual? And But I, I like Jake Smith at short. Uh, I like Dawson Shelton at third. Um, you know, they, the, they've got the big um, – yeah, I'd say football player. He looks like a freaking football player. Sitting in the middle of the order as well. Um, went with us to JFG's. Um, Caden Hart. Yeah, it's not Thursday, people. So give me give me a break <laughs> on the day. <laughs> but yeah, Caden sitting there. The offense isn't scary, but it's got some depth. <clears throat> and it's got some guys that have some feel for the barrel, and they caught the baseball. They moved the baseball. You know, they played with some passion. They had a really good crowd there. So. You know, I don't think this is a walkthrough. I think Wes Henderson would be favored, but I don't think it's a walkthrough. Let's let's move down to the East, and we'll come back and get our predictions. In the East, we got J.H. Rose and Southern Lee. This may be my favorite matchup in the tournament because of you've got a perennial favorite that's kind of been locked in to get to this position throughout the year versus a team that, didn't come out of nowhere. We 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 knew they were good, but their last three weeks they've played at a different level. What do you have on on the path of JH Rose and Southern League getting here, and then you know a little bit of the breakdown of those two playing against each other? Uh, I think Southern League definitely had the tougher path, and you know they had to go through a, a red hot orange team to to get to the finals. And like you said, Rose perennial favorite. They seem to do it every year. Uh, high seed, easier path, and rightfully so. Uh, but Southern Lee's just, you know, hitting home runs. You know, they got three arms they can run at you. Got some athleticism in that lineup. And um, not not a surprise team, but, uh, you know, they've, they've definitely earned their way the last three weeks. And uh, that could be a, an extremely exciting series there. I think it's one of the few, few times where we look at it and go, you know, they're number ones. Their matches, go get them. Their number twos, their matches, go get them. The lineup, both of them have depth in the lineup. Defensively, they both seem to catch the ball. <clears throat> this may just come down to purely who plays better. Who who is more themselves this week than the other team? Who can be who can be that club that just we're going to do what we do and doesn't change anything? Um, I think if it was a best of seven series and we were playing every single day. I think some of the depth of Rose would really show through, especially on the bump, because, again, they've got multiple arms that haven't thrown a whole lot this high school season that we've seen that are got a chance to be potential guys down the line. Um, you know, But in a three-game series with days off in between, we may not see those guys. And so which lineup can affect the bullpen? Which lineup can get to the bullpen first? Which lineup can affect the defense? Who can cause – somebody else to make some mistakes. And I think that's what this this three-game series is going to come down to. I'm really excited to see how they play because you're, you're going to get a chance to see 14, 15, 16, 17-year-olds react to big environments. 
and it, it's great to kind of it's a great learning experience for them. And both of both of these places, Southern Lee, you know, JH Rose is going to turn out. They're going to have great crowds. They're going to be energetic. The home team's got I think going to have an advantage early on, just with some adrenaline. <clears throat> Can the road team settle in? Can the road team affect the game early to see if we can't put the home team on its heels? That series just has the feel of uh, game three. Somebody's going to get a big hit who really maybe hasn't done a whole lot. You know, just a yeah. surprise guy going to show up and 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 do something and win it for one of those clubs. And it'll be one of those deals too, where we hear from the coaches and hear from the teammates afterwards. Going, we had complete trust in that guy because he's done it every day. You <laughs> yeah. know, and it's you know you you believe it with these clubs. I mean, <clears throat> Southern League getting through Orange, and and really played really well in that game. But Orange had been playing at an extremely high level, and Southern League went on the road and just rolled through there. That was impressive. You know, I don't think Rose has been tested. I know they they had a tight game with South Brunswick. Um, but I, I, again, three game series, there's a little bit more wiggle room if I'm tested in game one versus if I'm down after a game and I'm tested in game two or it's elimination game three, and then all of a sudden I'm getting tested. So we'll kind of see how those guys react. Let's go back to the West, Matt Oak Grove and Wes Henderson. Who you got? I'll go West Henderson in that one. Um, you know, you go through their box scores and, They've got contributions from from several different guys, and obviously, I think how they use manual plays a key role in that. But uh, you know, a little, little small town feel to those guys, and you know, community behind them. I'll, I'll go West Henderson in that. And I am checking to see the seating. West Henderson's the three, so they're going to be at home in game one. I think it's hard to go up the mountain. Um, I think these two teams are are well matched. I think West Henderson has a little bit of an advantage in terms of. Where do they use manual and, and how do they match him up? Um, and I trust that they're going to do what they've done throughout the year. So I'm going to go Wes Henderson, but I think it's going to be a tight three games. Um, in the East, Matt, who do you got? Uh, I'll go J.H. Rose. Um, been there, done it before. Uh, Southern League has had to, to grind and, and earn their path, and I think they will challenge Rose, but uh, you know, I'll, I'll pick Rose in that one and won't be shocked if that one goes three games too. Yeah, I'm with you. I there's something about Southern League when we when we made our picks at the beginning of the tournament. I, you could start seeing they were winning ten nine, they were winning one nothing, they were winning thirteen nothing. They they have this way about them over the last couple of weeks, and I love that that in a single elimination system. Best of three is different, but I'm gonna stay with Southern League because I think I picked them to get in the state championship anyway. So. Um, Let's head down to the 2A. We'll start with the 2A West, where we're going to get uh, Burns out of Shelby and Moorhead. Let's talk a little bit about Moorhead's path, Matt. I know you were at the Randleman game where they knocked off the defending 2A state champions. Um, you know, they've beaten Chase. They've beaten East Surrey. You know, so they've seen some big-time arms. They've seen some big-time teams. What did you see the other night in them getting here? Um, they had to go in two random and defending state champs and it, you know, weather wasn't great, but that place was packed out and a uh, little buzz in the stadium and more ahead. And they, they played it right. They had, they had Anderson Nance for game four and um, you know, they, they scored one early. I think it was in the second, and, you know, okay. And then when they put that second run on the board, you could kind of just, that's, that's all that kid needed. And uh, you know, random and you felt like Hunter Atkins may get a swing at it, you know, 
great player for Randleman. And then the Seth Way, you know, you kind of – you looked at those two guys and those two would have to do something for Randleman to win. And I think Atkins did have a hit, but but Nance shut it down. And, you know, he was – I think the last pitch of the game was 92, uh, mostly 90-93 all night, and he could throw it in a cup. I mean, it was fastballs to both yeah. sides, and you, you saw why he's an ace. Yeah, and we talk about the scary guys, guys at lineups – you approach the day with, uh, you know, we may we may have to win by scoring one, and we've got to we've got to play great defense. Immediately, we're we're on on that edge because we know we're not going to get to five, six, seven runs. He's that guy, um, and you touched on it. You know, obviously ninety ninety three, but you know, talking to you is the ability to take back fastball to both sides of the plate, elevate when he wanted to, um, three in the zone, attack with slider at times, and really an offense that's been accustomed to scoring runs was completely shut down um, by, you know, a player that we, we've got number one in our 2025, is it five? Four. Four. Four class. 2024 class, yeah. So Moorhead will get uh, Burns out of Shelby. And um, I've seen Burns a little bit. Uh, I saw him a couple times last year, and then obviously they're returning. It's it's depth and athleticism. You know, they are they, – they, they throw a ton of strikes with – with a with a, a slew of guys, um, but really, where they have their advantages is, is they've got depth defensively. They got depth in their lineup, <clears throat> and they're athletic. They put the ball in play, and they they force teams to play at a different speed at times because they're going to speed the game up and try to play it faster. Um, are you going to be able to speed up Morehead? Are you going to be able to speed up Anderson Nance? I don't know, but I think that's what makes this a very intriguing um, matchup. Obviously. West Stokes have been playing really well. <clears throat> they got by them Lincoln Charter, um, East Gaston. Uh, again, the path for Burns, even as a number one seed, has been littered a little bit with teams that you go, that's an interesting matchup. That's an interesting matchup. That's a, that's a decent arm. Let's see how they handle this. Let's see how they, and they're they're just rolling through this thing like you know they're they're they haven't been interesting matchups. Um, and so again, we get to here, and they go. That's an interesting matchup. Um, we'll see how that athleticism, athleticism plays against Moorhead. The bottom half of the bracket for us, the East, <clears throat> two teams we probably don't know a ton about: Camden County and South Granville. Um, Matt, talk a little bit about the path of those guys getting here, um, and then a little bit about what you're looking for in that matchup. Yeah, two teams. Uh... Uh, I don't think either one of us expected them to be there. You kind of looked at Green Central and uh, Midway and, you know, some teams that had better records throughout the year, but, but Camden County and South Granville uh, got through there. Uh, you look at Camden County and, you know, they definitely won some close games. That tells me they're playing with some confidence and, and feel good in, in those situations. And, um, you know, this time of year, it, it can go either way and, uh, this should be another exciting series in the 2A East. Yeah, they came to the 21 seed. They got a second-round game at home against the 28 South Columbus. Um, then they played North Lenore, and that was kind of one of the, the first game where you kind of sat up and went, okay, uh, now I'm watching now because I had North Lenore making around. I like, I like that club this year. Um, and in Midway, you know, I think Midway had two arms, and, and there may have been – you know, some injury or some some tired. You know, it may have been an issue just looking at the boxes with the way the arms set up. <clears throat> but it was a that was a club that was shutting offenses down. And, and again, one game scenario, Camden County, you know, kind of snuck up and bit them. Um, 
you know, on the bottom side, Green Central was the team that, you know, talking to people out east, they were like, they're really good. They're top to bottom. They do a ton of things right. Um, you know, they got past Whiteville, which I don't care what Whiteville is is seated or ranked. When they get into this tournament, Whiteville kind of expects to be in the championship game. And so they, they played a tough game there, got by them, you know, rolled through Farmville Central. South Granville's a program that, you know, five, six years ago was perennially in this championship situation. And so I think even in the town and the community, there's still some expectation when we get into this tournament, we have a chance to make a run. You know, and it's a, it's a team that as a three seed, they had a good year. Um, it's just, you know, in terms of name recognition, there's not a ton of names for us to go, this is the guy leading the team. I think they've gotten contributions throughout the year in a lot of different ways. And so I, I think when you see this matchup, again, it's a little bit like what you talked about earlier. <clears throat> I think we may see three games and we may see key contributors be, you know, three, four, five completely different names in every game. Um, you know, so a guy that, you know, maybe has a big double in game one, we may not hear from him for two more games because somebody else is stepping up and making those those big pitches, taking advantage of those big moments. And I, I it can be an advantage because these clubs aren't going to rely on one guy has to go for us. We, we have some trust. Seven, eight, nine can get it done for us in our lineup. And we'll kind of see what happens there. Moorhead and Burns, make your pick, Matt. Uh, I'll go Moorhead in three games. Uh, they seem like they have something special going. And uh, to go in and beat Random and at their place like that, uh, you know, they confident club, uh, like Moorhead in three. Uh, I have a good relationship with Coach Halchins at, at Moorhead, and he does a good job reaching out to us and, and touching base with us and really updating on us on what his players are. Um, and so <clears throat> maybe he can throw this on his bulletin board. I got Burns in three. Um, I'm interested. And again, I'm interested to see how Anderson gets used and he's been in a starting role all year, but if they have a chance to close out game one, do they bounce him back for the seventh? He throws a seventh and then, okay, we have the second and the third game to play with. When do we start him? Um, you know, with Burns, I I think they just do what they do. They, they've kind of been groomed for this position the last couple of years using their depth. I, I like their depth in their lineup. We'll, we'll kind of see how that plays out. But, again, um, Caleb, Coach Houchins, you can throw that up on the bulletin board that um, can't believe Brandon Hall picked against us. What, what is he doing? Camden County or South Granville, Matt? <coughs> I'm, I'm rooting for the 21 seed Camden County in this one. Okay. Uh, I'll go with those guys. Uh, 21 seed to roll through like that, something special is going on Camden County in three. South Granville is located in Creedmoor, North Carolina. I grew up off of Creedmoor Road near 485 in the Raleigh area, but it's right down the road. I know the intensity of that town and that that area. They get two games at home. I'm rolling South Granville. And that'll bring us to the 1A, Matt. Um, you know, it's been it's really been an interesting bracket <clears throat> as we start with the West, but e- both the East and the West have seen um, I don't want to call it topsy-turvy because I think the way these – more so than maybe the years past that we've covered this, there was more more of an ability for those those mid-seed teams to have a chance to win this thing. Um, you know, Typically when we see the 1A, you, you go, okay, here's the two teams that are going to be in the finals. You know, This year, not so much. So on the, on the west side, we got Eastern Randolph, URA Charter. Um, 
you talk a little bit about what you know of these clubs and what you're excited to see as they play each other. Uh, Uhari Charter seems to, to keep making these runs. Um, looks like they, they won an exciting game with Jerome the other night. Yeah. Um, extra inning game. I uh, heard from the people that, w- that were there. It was uh, intense environment uh, back and forth and uh, drawn tied it in the seventh. And then uh, Uhari Charter won it in the eighth. And uh, Jay Connor threw a great game for those guys. Uh, Eastern Randolph, uh, tough kids there, little little Legion community. Legion ball still big there, so definitely a community feel with those guys. And I think you get to the 1A, there's so many split conferences with 1A and 2A. Um, you know, I think they get – they experience some things during the year that, that you know, some, some other schools don't and uh, playing up and they develop some roster a little bit and it just seemed like a wide-open bracket this year and – I uh, think that'll be another quality matchup in the West. I like Uari Charter. You know, obviously a, a two seed that's played like a two seed. They've been tested. They've rolled over some teams they, were, they should have rolled over. Um, I saw them last year, and it was a program a little bit uh, kind of in disarray and in, in, in a change. I think they have a new coaching staff this year. Um, and there, there seems to be some continuity just watching their boxes and the way they're attacking teams. Um, Eastern Randolph, again, a 21 seed, you know, is a 21 seed that, you know, one game one was on the road. One game two was on the road. Uh, got Highland Tech was on the road. Got U- Union Academy uh, was on the road. You know, so uh, kind of a, a road warrior mentality. They're finally going to get a home game. I think that environment's going to be electric um, in game two. Um, but they've been tested a little bit. You know, the Union Academy made a run to this to the regional finals last year. Um, and and it's kind of and they beat Cherryville this year. That was kind of a program that has gotten to that point where they kind of expect to win in the tournament, regardless of what's happening the rest of the year. This is we're gonna we're pretty good and we're gonna make our run. And to stand up against that, especially in a one game scenario and, and hold your own, I, you know, I think Eastern Randolph's playing pretty well coming in here. So I think this had again chance to be a really good series. I don't know that it goes three, but I think it's going to be a, a two really good games. Um, on the bottom side of the bracket, <clears throat> Northmore gets past Rosewood and Voyager Academy gets past East Wake Academy. So we got Northmore and Voyager. Northmore is a – I got you. Northmore is a an eight seed and Voyager – where is Voyager. Wow, they're very, uh, a three. So we got a three and an eight really? seed here in the one A East. Well, some of your thoughts on this one? In the one A East, we got Voyager and Northmore this week. Um, Northmore making it as an eight seed, uh, rolling through beating uh, Wilson Prep, who was the number one seed on that half of the bracket, uh, and then beat a quality Rosewood team that's that's had a good year and had some big wins. Uh, Voyager topped East Wake Academy, who uh, East Wake been another consistent club throughout the year. Voyager makes it through as a three seed, so um, things kind of go more more as expected in the one A side. Uh, you know, Chatham Char- East Wake knocked out Chatham Charter, who was the the high seed in that half as the two overall, um, and then uh, lost to Voyager. And you gotta like both those clubs right there. Uh, another series that should go three games. And, Matt, as we're looking ahead, uh, let's go back to the West and um, let's make some predictions. Who who gets to the next weekend? Who do you like facing each other in the state championship finals? 
on the west side, uh, I'm going to have to go Uhari Charter. Uh, you know, big win overdrawn. I like them in three games over Eastern Randolph. Uh, in the east, I'm going to go with uh, Boydry Academy. Um, just have a gut feel about those guys and, and like those like those guys in three games also. Yeah, so I'm going to go Uhari Charter in the west and, and Voyager in the east. I, I, I like the matchup Voyager North more. I just th- I think the again the experience of Voyager being in this this environment has a chance to propel them in that three game series. I also like the schedule they've played throughout the year, getting them ready for this. So um, we're going to conclude it there. Uh, allow everybody to kind of discuss, like, tap, subscribe if you like it, and let us know what you thought. Um, some technical difficulties here towards it. I was coughing throughout. But it's Monday. It's not Thursday, so you got to cut us a little slack. We'll be back on Thursday to discuss where we're at in the regionals, what's coming up in the regional finals, plus going to go back and look at the Mega Stars and Dry Pond Scout Days that we hosted on Saturday. And I look forward to the USA Prime Scout Day coming up. For Matt Payne, I'm Brandon Hall. This is the Prep Baseball Report of North Carolina Podcast. We'll see you at the field. <laughs>